Hi, my name is Aiden and this is Laswa. Aiden Zalo is the head of Africa at a Unilever company, Sundial Brand, manufacturers of Shea Moisture brands. Aiden manages sales, distribution, and marketing internationally in Africa. Aiden serves the underserved African consumer with a purpose-driven approach as part of Sundial Brand's community commerce business model. Aiden also has prior strategy experience at Samsung and served as an analytics consultant at Booz Allen Hamilton. Outside of work, Aiden serves as a mentor for Rising Leaders, which emphasizes leadership training for minority middle school students in New York City. She holds an MBA from Harvard Business School and a bachelor's operations from MIT. Aiden, thank you so much for being here. We're so excited to have you on Leswa. Before we get started, I actually just wanted to ask you a couple of quick questions and maybe you can tell me the first things that comes to your mind. That sound good? Sounds great. Awesome. All right. So first one is chocolate chip cookies or oatmeal cookies? Hmm, this is tough. So I actually like both, but let's go with chocolate chip because I've been making them at home lately. Okay. Describe yourself in a hashtag. I'll use whatever I have on my Instagram, which is more of a motto. It's work hard, play harder, travel hardest. Okay. Really, okay. really what I live by. Awesome. Are you a heels or flats girl? Heels all day. All day? Okay. Secret talent. Um, cooking. So I actually really love to cook. Um, and I was very excited because my mom complimented my cooking once, which, you know, an immigrant mom complimenting your food is like a very big deal. Yes. Um, so, you know, I don't really tell people that I'm, that I'm a really good cook, um, but I'm basically a top chef. So. Okay. I want to know what that dish was that she complimented you on. It wasn't that fancy. Um, okay. It was like a simple like pasta sauce okay. dish and then it was like a salmon on the side, but oh. you know, I, I still felt great afterwards. Okay. Favorite piece of clothing you own? So it's actually um, Fina Well. I'm actually wearing um, a top from her brand today. It's like a silk kind of like long sleeve collared shirt. Mm -hmm. And I also own like the matching sheer pants and it was a very great kind of like year of return look when I was in Ghana this past December. Okay, I love it. Coffee or tea? Tea. I'm such a big tea drinker. Okay. I'm actually drinking tea right now and I have a little What is inspiring you in life right now? So it's really this like sense of urgency um, around like racial and social justice in the U.S. and globally. I've never felt like there's been this much kind of action, you know, around it and just like really seeking social justice. Um, so I think like that's really the biggest thing that's super inspiring right now. That's great. I mean, I guess let's, let's expand on that. Um, there's a lot happening in our world and um, inspiration is something that seems to ground all of us from reflecting on what's happening. How are you doing? What, are, what have you been up to during the pandemic? Yeah, so, you know, honestly, I definitely had my ups and downs during the pandemic. I think that in the beginning, everyone gonna goes through this like phase of denial, like, is this really happening? Uh, you know, what is the world going to look like? But, you know, I've been extremely blessed. Um, you know, I'm still able to be employed. You know, no one close to me has gotten sick. Everyone has been super, has been healthy thus far. So I'm really just trying to look at the bright side. And I think that honestly, it's going to be quite interesting to kind of look at how the world shifts and changes in the next couple of years due to the pandemic. Um, I've also been keeping myself super busy. So outside of work, I started doing um, MBA consulting and also started speaking on more panels um, and participating in, you know, podcasts like this. Nice. So I'm imagining tons of cooking. Um, have you been like working out or going to the gym or things that a lot of people seem to be doing nowadays? Yeah. So actually one of my cousins is actually a fitness trainer. So I've actually been doing uh, daily workouts with her about like 30 minutes. 
uh, just like core, abs, glutes. Um, and we just try to do it um, every day during the week. Mm-hmm. And then I've also been doing like daily walks around the park. So I live like really close to Prospect Park in Brooklyn. Mm-hmm. Um, just trying to get, you know, my, keep my energy up and just exercise as much as I can. Nice. Um, so I understand that you actually went home for uh, the initial stages of the pandemic. Can you tell us a little bit more about your childhood, your home? Yeah, so I spent the first three months at home in Virginia, which is where I grew up. Um, I'm an only child and my parents are divorced, but it was so nice to spend time with both of them. So my mom lives in Virginia and my dad also just recently moved to Virginia and they live about 15 minutes away from each other. So um, it was really great spending time with both of them. It just felt like I hadn't really spent that much time at home since graduating from college. And it was just such a different experience because, you know, now that I am an adult and like my parents are like older, we were just able to have like so many great conversations and just like really catch up in a, in a more authentic way than, you know, just like a phone call to say, Hey, how are you? Every, every once in a while. Yeah. How was that? Did, like, were you ready to come back? Um, or you were like actually really loving being back home and getting to know them a little more? Um, yeah. I mean, honestly, yeah. So honestly, it was a little bit of both. Like I did really miss them. I love being at home but after a while. I also kind of, you know, missed like, uh, you know, my life and, and the life that I had built in New York city. So um, I came back to New York in June. They've been here for the past almost two months now. Um, But I think, you know, once it gets like cooler and colder, I might like go back and celebrate the holidays with my family again. Nice. Speaking of family and home, um, you actually were away from them for a little bit when you went to undergrad in Boston. Um, Maybe tell us a little bit more about that and how you actually ended up in Boston from Virginia. Sure. Yeah. So um, I really wanted to... um, go to school in Boston because I actually had other family there. So my uncle and aunt and my cousins lived in Boston. Mm-hmm. And also Boston was just such a great like college town. And so for me, I really focused on, I only applied to schools like in the DC, Virginia area and in Boston. Like those were the only two places where I applied to schools. And um, I was really good at math and science growing up. And so I wanted to go to a school that was going to focus on that. And so MIT felt like a good fit. Um, and when I went to go visit um, MIT during their admit weekend, I just absolutely fell in love with like the campus, the school, the people. And it was nice that I had family there during the four years because they really took care of me. So I felt like, and my mom also felt like super comfortable with me like going away because she also knew that I had family there. So it was nice. And it was close enough to home, you know, like a one hour flight uh, back home to Virginia. So um, overall, it was great. And I really enjoyed my college experience there. So being from Boston, I think it's so incredible when people talk about like how great Boston is, because I actually really liked Boston. Um, I went to undergrad there and high school there. Um, and, and, and you and I talked a little bit about this more so um, creating that distance between your parents when you go to college, but also wanting them, actually them wanting you to be a little bit closer. Were you, did you struggle a little about that, like being away from them, but also, um, you know, finding yourself and exploring different areas of your life when you have to step away from your family? Yeah, that's a great question. So I think like luckily my parents are pretty like liberal. And so both of them were really supportive of me going away. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that while it was tough, I never felt pressured or I never felt like I had made the wrong decision or anything like that. You know, my parents kind of understood that, hey, I was taking this opportunity to better myself and to, you know, create a better future for myself and ultimately, you know, you know, make them proud at the end of the day. And so I would say it was definitely tough freshman year, like my first year, I I think it is for anyone, whether, you know, unless you're like living at home physically for college, um, you know, I think that I definitely like missed my family, but it was great just knowing a, like you're just so busy in the academics there and, you know, you're like building out your social life. So you were just, I just always kept busy to kind of keep my mind 
off of like missing home and missing my parents. Um, but also I just had like other family around. So, you know, whenever I missed, you know, eating in Jada, I could like call up my family. They were bringing me food like once a week. All of my college friends were always jealous and coming over to eat food with me. Yeah. Uh, and so I think like it was nice to still have like at least that like someone looking out for me um, in that sense. Um, and that also made my parents feel more comfortable too, just knowing that if anything were to happen, there was someone like a phone call away that could come to me like very quickly. Yeah. I think that's amazing. Luckily, like being home, um, in Boston and going to school in Boston, like it's, if I could just like, if I wanted some food now, I could just get on the bus and go to my mom. But I knew some kids who didn't have the luxury of going to their parents in a quick manner. So I sometimes would have friends that were easier and come for Easter or go to like you know, church celebrations or like these big holidays. And I think having that safe space or uh, like some commonality is just so great, especially when you're in college and you just want to be around people from your culture. So that that's awesome. Yeah. Um, did you have a lot of influence to like go into math and science from your family or is that something you actually like naturally wanted to do? Yeah. So, I mean, my parents, specifically my dad, always focused on education when I was growing up. Um, you know, we were always going to the library every week, reading books. Um, I think I'm still a little bit dated from that. But we would also go to like all of the museums in DC. So he was very big about like seeing the museums. And because we lived, um, he actually lived in DC when I was younger. So because he lived in the capital, he yeah. thought it was so important. And so we would go, I think I've been to almost like every museum in Washington, DC. Also another reason why I like hate going to museums now. Mm-hmm. Uh, but overall, it was such a great experience for me because I got to just like learn and experience so much that I realized how privileged I was because not everyone has access to, you know, the, you know, the nation's capital, all of the museums and like just, you know, uh, reading, like I read so many books growing up and just like really expanded my horizons. And I think that um, I was pushed academically and I ended up just being like talented in math and science. And so for me, it was just great that it all worked out and kind of like led me to this path to, you know, go to MIT. So yeah, but I think that in general, like my parents definitely did have a big influence on me and that I do think that it's definitely helped like shape my narrative of what I wanted my future to look like. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. So typically a lot of students that do go to MIT end up getting electrical engineering, uh, biomedical engineering degrees, but you actually got a business degree and a minor in math. Um, how did, how did that happen? Can you tell us a little bit more about that? Yeah, so the funny story is I actually went to MIT thinking I wanted to do engineering, in particular biomedical engineering, because I thought, you know, it could blend like medicine, which my parents really wanted me to go into, and engineering. And I got there and I took biology my freshman year and it was the worst class ever. So I thought, you know, maybe I should reconsider um, what I focus on in college. And during the time, a lot of people were um, focused on business and economics and going into careers like business, uh, like, uh, sorry, going into like investment banking or consulting. And so I thought, you know, why not try out um, a business class? And I did that and I really enjoyed it Mm -hmm. and decided to make that my major. And I still wanted to pursue my minor in math. I'd already taken um, so many classes and I still enjoyed the subject. And so that's, that's how I ended up getting my business degree with a minor in math. Yeah. And then post MB, I mean, post, uh, college. Um, I actually ended up getting a consulting job in Virginia at Booz Allen Hamilton, working primarily for the Department of Defense and their advanced analytics team. And it was really, really great. I feel like I learned so much. I still thought it was like the most probably academically challenging job that I've had. Mm-hmm. Um, but consulting really wasn't for me. And I also just felt like the government wasn't exciting to work for. And so I thought, you know, that maybe getting an MBA would help and help me pivot and get it, get into a more creative industry. Mm-hmm. 
it's so different from what you do now. You're, you're in such a creative industry. Um, was that always something that like you gravitated towards or something that developed post working for the analytics world? Um, when did that shift happen for you? Yeah. So I've always loved like fashion and beauty, like growing up, I just love clothes and, and shoes and everything. And also being Eritrean, you know, I've always wanted to kind of like give back to Africa and like really cared about the continent in general. But it wasn't until business school um, at Harvard Business School that I really understood like what the opportunities looked like to work in that space, kind of leveraging, you know, beauty, working in Africa and how that could end business. And so I feel like I got so lucky finding the role that I'm currently in um, at Unilever managing the Shea Moisture brand because it has like roots in Africa. Um, it's really focused on, it's focused on beauty um, and it's still, you know, I'm still like managing a business essentially for, for, uh, for the brand. So it's been, it's been like the dream job. Right. How were you able to find that career? Is it through a network? Did you, um, did you know you wanted to work for Unilever specifically for a hair market in the African industry? Like how did that happen? Yeah. So, um, I mean, I've always used Shea Moisture. So I've been using Shea Moisture since uh, college. So like over 10 years now, it was like my kind of like me going natural was like using, using Shea Moisture products. Yeah. And, um, the founder of Shea Moisture actually came and spoke at HBS during our like African American, uh, student union conference the year that I was there. And I just like loved hearing his story, learning more about the African roots and like what he was able to do with the business as an entrepreneur. So I was super inspired by that. And um, post-business school, um, I was at Samsung first, but one of my friends was working um, at Shea Moisture. And so when the opportunity came up, she reached out to me and I just kind of went for it. Right. I actually really love Shea Moisture too. It is the first product that I used when I like considered going to like the natural world. And, and I do love the story and the opportunity that it's definitely created, especially with things like the New Voices Fund. Um, funds that, you know, supports women of color in, in the entrepreneurship career. So I think it definitely um, has cascaded its, its success to um, a lot of individuals who also want to mirror that. So I definitely appreciate the brand. And so, you know, Unilever is a really big company and it's actually one of, um, one of those companies that really came up, not came up, but really galvanized around the whole social impact space. And it's, it's, it, it definitely um, it definitely sees itself as a company that wants to um, make sure that all of its products are sustainable. Uh, can you tell us a lot, of, a little bit about like what that means and how you work translates into that? Sure. So, as I mentioned, I'm responsible for like the sales and marketing um, of Shea Moisture in Africa. So we're currently in South Africa, Kenya, Nigeria, and Ghana, uh, mm-hmm. looking to expand to other markets. And so for me, the biggest thing is um, focused around expanding distribution and access of products to local consumers. So it's really making our products available, um, but it's also working with entrepreneurs along the way. So whether it's, you know, choosing female-owned agencies, like marketing agencies to help us promote our brand, working with female-owned retailers to help us sell our brand. So for me, it's just finding tangible ways um, through commerce that we can really support these businesses which goes back to our community commerce uh, business model, which is our purpose way of doing business. Mm. Um, It's really kind of like a social, it's really our social impact model. It was created over 20 years ago. And it's important to us that, you know, communities are served via commerce. So it's not that we donate philanthropy, like philanthropically to, to these communities or to organizations. We actually want to provide like business opportunities. So, 
whether it's through our supply chain process, whether it's through the agencies that we work with, the influencers that we work with, the retailers that we work with, or through like the New Voices Fund where we're supporting, you know, women of color entrepreneurs. That's really how we want to show up and, and like, uh, you know, help galvanize our social impact for, for good. How are you able to make sure that you're sort of catering to the market out there? Are you traveling? Are you meeting with these uh, different marketing agencies that market the products that you guys work with? Yeah. So um, the great thing about being um, a global brand and working for Unilever is that we have offices like locally in all of those markets. So I do get to interact with those offices and get a lot of in-market support. And I do travel, or I should say I used to travel (laughs) a lot back and forth uh, uh, to Africa. So I would typically be on the road about once a month, actually, and I would try to go to each of my different markets. And I would spend a lot of my time meeting both with like my distributor and like retailer partners, as well as my marketing agencies and influencers, but also just like, you know, going to shops and just like trying to meet consumers and just figure out, you know, what are they looking for? Mm-hmm. Um, nothing really compares to actually like being there and talking to the people and just like getting that local experience. I think that I bring so much, I get so many insights and I drive so much value just from having that experience. Yeah. So I'm definitely looking forward to the next time that I can go back. Yeah, I 100% echo your sentiments. I, I had the opportunity to travel um, in October for work. And our our goal and idea was to create a marketing plan for a, a maternity clinic. And it's just so different to understand like how people retain information, how information is shared. And one thing that really stuck out to me is um, how much WhatsApp is used, um, yes. especially in places like Ghana. That's where I was. And I'm not sure if it is in the countries that you work with, but it was mind blowing to me that people, that was their main form of communication, but also like data sharing, like actual Mm -hmm. work strategy was being stored and shared through this platform. And a lot of Americans don't even know that platform exists. And so for us, it was such a very eye opening experience that we wouldn't have known if we actually weren't immersed in the culture and talking to individuals and marketing agencies and understanding what, what, how and what ways or information being um, delivered. And another interesting one we, we saw was, you know, we utilize a lot of influencers now here in America, mm-hmm. but um, a lot of influencing was done by, you know, tribal leaders or like religious figure, figures in, in the places that we were trying to implement this new marketing strategy. And so mm-hmm. I think to your point, being in those places and understanding is what allows us to drive um, our strategy. So I think that's great. I'm hoping that we can definitely get back to traveling uh, because I think it just makes the work that much more awesome. So what's next for you? I know um, this this sounds like an incredible opportunity and you're working for a brand that a lot of black women associate themselves with. So I think that must be so gratifying for you. So what's next for you? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, You know, I don't know exactly what's next for me. Um, But I do know that I want to continue to do impactful work, you know, focus on the black community, focus on black women, focus on Africa, and still stay kind of within this creative realm. You know, Mm -hmm. I'm really happy at the this intersection of being able to drive impact, you know, in an industry that I'm passionate about and that I can relate to. Mm -hmm. Um, So um, yeah, you guys will just have to stay tuned to find out. Yeah, Uh, yeah, you can always follow me on Instagram, um, at garden of Edin 11 and the O is actually a zero. Nice. Would you ever take your talents to, to Ethiopia or Eritrea? Yeah, you know, honestly, that's the long-term plan, right? That's the vision. Yeah. I would love to go back home, whether it's Eritrea or Ethiopia. 
Um, I think there's so much opportunity, and I know that you know Ethiopia has made significant strides uh, more so than Eritrea has. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, when that opportunity presents itself, like I think that I would definitely consider doing that. Do you have um, any advice for individuals who would love to be in industry or um, be in the marketing world and, and actually in the African consumer base? Yeah, so I think um, thing is, I would just say like learn as much as you can about the industry and as, uh, and as much about the technology and the digital tools that are used. Mm-hmm. So I think that, you know, given just the way things are right now, the global pandemic and everything, just like tech is going to be, it already was the next big wave, but I think it's even going to be the next big thing. Um, in these industries and you know there's technology is really revolutionizing um, how consumers interact with products with the brands you know how information is shared just so many different things so I would say you know like one of the things that you mentioned earlier was like how whatsapp is like the predominant form of communication in Africa so one thing that um, you know I saw is that you can actually do social commerce people are now buying primarily through whatsapp or instagram in these markets as well a lot of um, you know, entrepreneurs will have an Instagram store and they're like, hey, I want to sell Shamoisha on my Instagram store. And, you know, now Instagram has a shopping platform that was made for that, right? But even before, they would just take a picture, post it on the grid and like list the price and then have a phone number where you would uh, message them or you could DM them and then they would, you know, have someone deliver it to your house. And so I think that's just like continuing to figure out like what are the, techno- the technology tools that can help you and just learning as much about the industry as possible because, um, and then also just networking as much as you can as well. So finding people that are in that space and learning from them. Yeah. Um, I think if you do all those three things, then you'll definitely be able to find, you know, an in somewhere. Yeah, no, I think that's great. It, it's so uh, the point that you made about e-commerce and how that is sort of like the next wave of um, a payment and, and just like easy interaction with consu- buyer and seller. Um, unfortunately, like we're a little bit behind that in terms of like the continent and like, Amazon and EBA and all of those platforms existing within the American consumer market, but allowing um, people to individually purchase like mm-hmm. just from likes on Instagram is just like, it, it is revolutionary to, to say what you said. And I think that's going to be um, the next wave of um, entrepreneurship, but also marketing for individuals in developing market. Yeah, I totally agree. Yeah. Well, this has been great um and we i'm sure that uh, our audience have learned so much about you and i've learned a lot about you and i think um the work that you're doing is incredible um definitely having a woman of color in the space is equally important to kind of represent the needs and wants of the people who actually utilize this product um more than ever and so your voice is appreciated thank you so much um and thank you for being on the podcast um her information will be on the website for anybody who would like to stay in touch via Instagram. Um, but yeah, thank you again, Aiden. Yeah, thank you so much, Lily. Thank you so much for hosting me today. Um, I love what you're doing with the podcast and I can't wait to see, you know, what more you do. Awesome. Thank you, Aiden. <laughs>